Good morning. Welcome to worship here at First Church. We want to welcome all our guests, visitors, and radio listeners today. We want to thank Grace and Sharon for their piano duet this morning. It was beautiful. The bouquet of flowers on the altar is in celebration of Jim and Lois Herod, who celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary yesterday. Happy anniversary, Lois. Today is the Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Send-Off. If you're unable to help carry boxes, if you're able to help carry boxes out to be loaded after church, please meet in the heritage room following the worship. Looks like they're going to need some help. There is no Revelation Sunday school class today or youth Bible study. Both will resume next Sunday. This Wednesday is the church Thanksgiving dinner, which will be served at 6 p.m. Please bring your favorite Thanksgiving side dish or dessert. The church is providing the turkey, salad, dinner rolls, and drinks. And last but not least, congratulations to Zach and Paige Logman on the birth of their son, Emmett James Logman, on Friday, November 15th. Grandparents, Jerry and Cindy Lehman, Mark and Sarah Logman. And now, if you would, please stand if you are able and join me in the call to worship. Taken from Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued the nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praise to God, sing praise, sing praise to our King. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Now we will remain standing and sing Revelation song.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward Dustin and Christina Zimbrogel and their daughter Mackenzie Christine for dedication this morning. It's always such a wonderful time and such a joy to uh, see a family and come alongside them as they dedicate their child to the Lord. Uh, what a blessing it is to, to be here with you this morning, to, to see this commitment that you're making together as a family. I want everyone to hear the words uh, from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the child in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Just as Jesus welcomed children and did not turn them away, so we welcome children as well into the life of the church and desire to nurture them in the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses told the people, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframe of your houses and on your gates. I think that's such a beautiful description of what this is meant to represent. Uh, this is a, a time for Dustin and Christina to, to confess their faith in the Lord and, and promise Mackenzie and, and as well reaffirm your promise to the other children as well to, to pass on that faith and raise them in the Lord as well. That's really what this is all about here today is the commitment that you two are making to raise her in the Lord. So when she is old enough, when she gets to that point where she can make that decision for herself, she'll be ready and equipped to do so. And so Dustin and Christina, do you desire to dedicate your child to the Lord and promise to raise her to know, love and serve him? We do. Praise God. Obviously, Mackenzie's a little too young to uh, to confess any sort of faith herself. She's not even speaking yet, so you know we're a little bit bef- early for that. Uh, but we, and, and as her parents, we want to uh, give you an opportunity to confess your faith uh, before God, before this church, your family, your church family, uh, and and it's this faith, this uh, the essence of the gospel that you will be promising then to pass on to Mackenzie as she grows uh, in the Lord. And so I invite you to respond to these questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? We do. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? We do. Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers? We will, with God's help. Praise God. Now let's all, as a body of believers, take a moment and recite the Apostles' Creed together, a great statement of faith, the common faith that we share as a church. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is convicted by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being dedicated today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. To the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. And so I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw her to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. And may she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. 
All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned at the at the start of this, the you know the the focus is of course on Mackenzie this morning and rightly so, but uh, this is really about the promise and the commitment you're making as her parents to raise her in the Lord. And so, I want to uh, encourage you to to respond to the following questions as I, as we focus our uh, time on that. Since you've presented Mackenzie for dedication, we ask you the following questions before God and His people. Do you promise to instruct her by word and example with the help of the Christian community and the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We do. God helping us. Praise God. And they're not meant to do this on their own. Of course, faith formation is is primarily the responsibility of the parents, and that's why they are up here today. But we're a church family, and we want to come alongside them and and encourage them and, and, and help you and equip you in any way possible. And so we as a church have a responsibility to them as well. To, to help them, to provide for them, to, to pour into them so that they can pour into their children as well. And so church family, we have a responsibility to them. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Mackenzie into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and to assist her to be Christ's faithful disciple. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and help you to know and follow Christ. Amen. See how this goes. Hi, Mackenzie. Really staring at you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How are you? Mackenzie Christine Zambrogo, I dedicate you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. We pray for Mackenzie that you would bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of your love. Deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil and enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also ask that you look with kindness on Dustin and Christina. Let them always rejoice in the gifts you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit, that they may bring up Mackenzie to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As you guys go and, and find your seat, we have a little gift for you. Obviously, the, the white rose is for you guys to take home, as well as this Bible for, for Mackenzie. And our prayer is that you will, as a family, you know, take that opportunity to learn all about God's love by, by reading that Bible together. So uh, this time, I want to invite any of our youth children that are part of the youth choir to come forward. Uh, we're going to have them provide some special music this morning. Congratulations.
lost in our service in the last week. In the Gulf of Mexico, Staff Sergeant Cole Condiff, 29, from Dallas, Texas. In San Diego, Chief Gas Turbine Systems Tech, Matthew Paul Spitznagel, 40, from Maumee, Ohio. In Alabama, Machinist Mate First Class Boaz Doach, 33, from Mobile, Alabama. In South Korea, Specialist Nicholas C. Panapinto, 20, from Bradenton, Florida. At Fort Carson, Colorado, Sergeant Alexis Sanchez, 30, from West Miami, Florida. This time I'd like to invite forward Sharon Colson. Uh, she's been our, our project leader for Operation Christmas Child this fall. And as you can see, today is our, our collection and send-off Sunday. Um, so Sharon's going to share just a, a moment about, uh, once again, the impact that Operation Christmas Child has on the children and the communities that receive these boxes. And then we're going to take time and, and pray for them this morning as they are uh, ready to get, be sent to the processing center and be distributed all over the world to children who are in need. So, Sharon, thanks for everything you've done so far. And Good morning and welcome to Celebration Sunday. I take, take a deep breath. This is a little overwhelming for me. When the shoeboxes came in, they didn't come in by twos. They came back by twos and threes. They came back by fours and fives and sixes and sevens. If you look in the heritage room over here, there are between 400 and 500 boxes that we as a church have packed for Operation Christmas Child. And I can't thank you enough for your tremendous response. That being said, that's a lot of boxes to handle. And I can ask for... Ten people to help load the Honda Ridgeline that's sitting out here by the door. And, and, and ten people would have to carry 40 boxes each. Or I can ask for 20 or 25 people to help, and we can narrow it down to two or three boxes apiece. So I'm wondering if I can get a show of hands of who is willing to help right after church to help load the boxes into the Honda Ridge line uh, because Jay does have the senior class in here for Sunday school. So as a courtesy to him and that class, we would like to get those moved out as quickly as possible. So in the balcony, do I have any volunteers that can help right after church? A show of hands. Okay. This side of the sanctuary. Any volunteers? Show of hands. The back part. Okay, and this part of the sanctuary and in the prayer room. Thank you very much. I packed a Christmas shoebox gift. I'll do it every year. These gifts are sent around the world to bring a child some cheer. I focused on my shoebox and what I put inside when God told me, to look beyond and see the other side. I looked beyond my shoebox, and there I saw a friend who helped to get my shoebox from here to journey's end. In truth, there were so many who worked along the way. They took these gifts around the world. They labored night and day. Some checked and taped and cartonized and moved my box with care while some raised hands of blessing and filled my box with prayer. I looked beyond my shoebox, and there I saw a child who received this gift of love while sitting meek and mild. She heard the gospel message. He listened quietly while many prayed Jesus to save their souls eternally. Then it was time to open from me their gifts of joy. Such noise I can't imagine to see each treat and toy. I looked beyond my shoebox, and there 
I saw the Lord. He smiled and said, Well done, my child. Now, come and see your reward. And as I turned, I saw a line, far as the eye could see, of children coming to say thanks for boxes sent by me. Thank you for your gift of love and for the gospel too, because you filled a shoebox. I'm now in heaven with you. I would like to invite Shannon Rittiger and my husband Jeff Colson to meet us down here. Um, we will be they are joining us. They are joining me on the Operation Christmas Child uh, Great Lakes OCC bus trip to Charlotte. We will be in Charlotte from December 2nd to December 8th at the Processing Center. See, we have uh, a few of our shoe boxes here, uh, just a few, because <laughs> the rest are stacked over in the Heritage Room. Uh, when we first talked about uh, planned out this day, uh, we thought it would be nice to have, you know, the boxes that we pack up front so we can see the impact that we've had. But we realized that was a practical impossibility um, with all of the boxes that, that you all packed and returned to the church. And so we just have a few of them here to, to represent all of the boxes that were packed. And we want to take a moment as our pastoral prayer this morning to pray for Operation Christmas Child and the boxes as they are being uh, delivered in the coming weeks, as well as for um, all of the volunteers and, and everyone that's involved to make this, pro- this program uh, happen. Um, and ultimately, of course, praise God and thank him for, for your generosity and the generosity of people all over the world that pack boxes like this to, in order to make an impact on people. And then finally, the last uh, prayer point I want to encourage you to be thinking of is the impact, not just materially that these boxes have, but the impact they can have spiritually. Each box goes out with a, a gospel uh, program, almost like a Sunday school kind of program. And, and so as the children receive the boxes, they also receive an opportunity to hear the gospel and learn about Jesus and, and the love that he has for them. You know, the physical items inside the box are uh, ultimately and eternally inconsequential. They will one day be gone just like anything else we, we possess in this world. But the, the gift of the gospel is what really matters, and that's the, the lasting eternal impact that these boxes can have. I want to encourage you as well, in your bulletin, there should be a, a Operation Christmas Child little bookmark. Um, and on the back, uh, this is their, their prayer points. This is what they, uh, uh, they passed on to us and we were passing on to you. I encourage you to take this home with you. Stick it in your Bible or your purse or tape it on a mirror as a reminder to continue to be praying for Operation Christmas Child in the weeks to come as these boxes are being collected and distributed around the world. I invite you at this time to, to pray with me as we, uh, as, as in a sense, surround, our, surround these boxes with our prayers this morning. Lord God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had as a church to, to bless, uh, bless people that we've never met, never will meet, Lord, uh, with these Christmas shoeboxes. Uh, thank you for um, each person that donated and, and put together a box, Lord. Thank you for those that helped at the packing party last week. And ultimately, Lord, we thank, uh, we thank you uh, for your generosity and your blessing that you have given us. Um, Lord, you bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. That's what this is, is truly all about. I do pray for each one of these boxes that, that have been collected here at the church this morning as they are being distributed. Lord, I pray for the children that are going to receive them, that they would just have a spark of joy inside of them, Lord, and, and, and not only just for the, the physical contents of the box, Lord, but as they receive the gospel message and hear about the love that God has for them in Christ, I pray that their hearts would be softened and that they would be receptive, Lord, to that, that message of hope and love that you have for them. Thank you, Christ, that you have died on the cross for us, and it is, it is your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness that we all need. And Lord, uh, it is our joy to be able to share that good message and that hope with people all around this world. I do pray, Lord, that you would be with all the volunteers in the coming weeks as they work to process and, and organize and distribute these boxes. I pray that you would bless them for giving of their time and their resources to be able to do that as well. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that your kingdom would come, that you would make a, a gospel impact all around this world and the communities that maybe we've never even heard of and we will certainly never step foot. Um, Lord, make a gospel impact in the lives of those people and also, Lord, in our own lives as we think about the, what you have done for us, especially this time of year as we reflect on the greatest gift of all, which is your son, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, We would also like to lift up all of our other concerns that are before us today. Lord, you are a God who knows us intimately. You know the very the very details of our hearts, um, you know what it is we need. And so we entrust ourselves to you, especially those that are going through difficult times. We ask that you would be with them and that as your word promises, never to leave them nor forsake them, that your presence would be with them and help them through each day. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Uh, At this time, I want to invite all who are able to stand and join us in singing our next hymn. Um, Of course, I didn't bring my bulletin with me, so you'll have to look in your bulletin for what hymn number that is. Uh, But I invite you to stand and join us as we sing that this morning. Thank you. seated. 
Our offering this morning goes to support Carl Lanham and this ministry with Athletes in Action. Uh, Carl has, is a good friend. He's been here in the past. He's preached here before. Uh, I believe one Sunday when I was on vacation, he came and preached and the power went out. Um, and that made for quite an interesting morning. Uh, but uh, we're so glad to be able to support him. And so I encourage you to, to give this morning as you are able in support of his ministry. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for Athletes in Action and, and the ministry that Carl has there. We pray that this offering would be a blessing to him, that you would take these gifts which we give this morning uh, in, our, in our obedience and worship of you, Lord, and use them to expand your kingdom, uh, particularly through Carl and, and what he does there. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is not, excuse me, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies. Because the Spirit is the truth, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, 
But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Thank you, Maria. You may be seated. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share your word this morning. Thank you that we can open it together and study it together. And, and Lord, um, I pray that your spirit would guide us as we do that this morning. Um, it is your word that brings life and truth. Um, and it is your word that we rely on, Lord, uh, to know about you and to, to grow into our, grow more and more into that family likeness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are quickly coming to the end of our series in 1 John here. And just like any, any good letter, any good essay or, or piece of writing, uh, you know, John is trying to make a final argument, a final point here. He's trying to emphasize and kind of sum up all the things that we've been talking about so far. And one of the main themes of 1 John has been that, that love for God and love for others, being connected in Christ. Our, our relationship with God is what connects us together as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And this idea of, of family, the family of God, has been a, a prominent theme that we've come back to over and over again over these last several weeks. And for good reason, because it's, a, it's, it's important for us to, uh, to think about our church family in that way. You know, we have a... Uh, we've been given a, an opportunity to be a church family. God has called us together in Christ to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so John is fleshing out here for us. He's been doing it throughout the letter, but he comes back to that theme again of what that means for us, what that looks like. Uh, Pastor David Allen in his commentary on 1 John uh, reminds us that there's, there's two realities of our, of our spiritual family or spiritual birth, very, very similar to very much like we get when we are born physically into a family. First of all, we receive a family likeness. When Josephine was born, nobody doubted that she was my daughter, right? They, you could just tell from the moment she was born that she looked like me. She was my, my spitting image, um, and, and there was no doubting that. You know, when we are born into a family, we, we receive certain characteristics or certain traits of our parents. Well, maybe one more so than the other, but it's always a mix, because we resemble our parents in a way. The same is true for our spiritual family. We've been born into a spiritual family, and, and as we are born into that, as, as Christ breathes new life into us, we take on certain characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Right? We begin to look more and more like Him. Paul in Galatians 5 gives us the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, uh, peace, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things that are meant to, to, that God grows in us to help us to be more like him. But, so we're given a family likeness, but the reality is also that we're born into a family with brothers and sisters in Christ. In one sense, you're kind of stuck with your family, aren't you? You don't get to choose it. Uh, you, don't, you don't get a say in who your parents are, who your brothers and sisters are. Um, and the same is true for us as in our spiritual family. We've been called into this family of God, and we have now brothers and sisters in Christ that we are called to love and encourage and support. In other words, we're in this together. He goes on to talk about the, the spiritual birthmarks that, that define what it means to be a part of the family of God. And there's three that are listed here for us in the first half of the section. There are love, obedience, and faith. As we are born into God's family and learn what it means to love God and love others, we'll see these three things develop in us. The, the spiritual birthmarks of what it means to be God's children. And then the second half of this passage, uh, they, they seem almost disjointed or disconnected, but there's a key verse here, and that is verse, six, or excuse me, verse 5. Uh, when, when John says, Who is the one that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 
See, that's an important verse because it connects the first half of the passage and the second half of the passage. These spiritual birthmarks, this family likeness that we have, these things that we're called to do because we are now in Christ and in this family are only possible because of who Jesus is. In other words, we are able to be loving. We are able to be obedient. We are able to have faith, not because, not in our own strength, not because of anything we've done, but because Jesus is the Son of God who came to this world and died for us. See, these, these parts are connected. You see, all of this is possible. His is because His righteousness now lives in us. He overcame, which is what allows us to be obedient, loving, and faithful people in the first place. And that's a good news because it takes the pressure off of us to perform. It takes the pressure off of us to be perfect. Because the truth is, none of us are. Right? Paul tells Timothy and uh, his protege, he says, this is a true and this is a, is a trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Right? And that's the Apostle Paul saying that. That is true for all of us. We could all put ourselves in that place that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. See, left to our own devices, we would have no way of being loving and obedient and faithful people. But because of what, who Christ is and what he's done for us, we can be those kind of people in him. God will develop those characteristics in us as we grow in our relationship with him. And so what are these spiritual birthmarks then? First one he describes here is, is, is our call to love God and love others. Loving God in one sense should come naturally to those of us who have been saved by grace, who've been born again, who've experienced that love and that forgiveness that can be found only in Christ. And that, that grace, that, that forgiveness is what drives us to God and what, what instills that love in our hearts in the first place. Again, think of, think of that analogy of a child being born into a family. They don't have to learn how to love their parents. There's just a natural bond and connection there that is, that is part of what it means to have that father, mother, and, and child relationship. And so the same is true for our spiritual birth. As we put our trust in Christ and, 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 and develop that relationship with him, that love for him should develop and grow naturally. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, Paul talks about how God has given us his spirit. He's, been, he's adopted us into his family, and it's that spirit within us that calls out Abba, Father. Abba is a word that's very difficult to translate, which is why it simply says Abba in most of our translations. But it's a word that is very, it's a very familiar, very loving term for a father figure. The one that is, is maybe hard for us to, to translate or grasp, but it's this intimate connection that we have with Christ because, or we have with God because of what Christ has done for us. So our love for God is, is develops and grows over time as we grow in our relationship with him. But then the other half of that statement is true as well. We must learn to love our new brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, if we truly have experienced God's love and, and God's love is, dwells in us, it should then overflow in, into the lives of those around us. Our love for our Heavenly Father may come naturally, but our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ that is sometimes something that we need to learn to do, isn't it? It doesn't always come easily or come naturally, but we are called to love one another. In fact, Jesus says that is how people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so we must love God and, and allow God's love to flow through us and help us to love each other, uh, both within the church and I believe also those without the church. Jesus calls us to not only love those who love us back, but to love those who are our enemies, and to pray for those who persecute you. This call to love is not confined to the walls of this church and the people sitting next to you in the pews. It's, it's, it's a call to love all those that God has placed in our path. And so the first spiritual birthmark is the love that we have for God and for others. The second thing John says here is that love should then flow and be carried out in obedience to God and his commands. I want to read out one of Jesus' parables to you from Matthew uh, chapter 21. This is a parable that Jesus tells to help us understand the true nature of obedience and what it means to be obedient to God. It's Matthew 21, beginning in verse 28. He says, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. Excuse me. 
I, I lost my place. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You see, it's not enough for us as Christians to, to hear God's commands, to, to talk about God's commands, even to memorize and, and, and truly understand what God desires of us. It's all meaningless if we don't actually go out and then do it. Right? Obedience requires action. It requires response. And we can know God's word cover to cover. We can have all of that knowledge inside of our heads, but, but if we're not actually living it out, if we're not being obedient to Christ, then it's meaningless. Or as James says in James chapter 2, it, our faith is dead if it's not accompanied by actions. You see, obedience is, is key to love. In other words, obedience is, is love acted out. And we see this. This is not just a, a, a New Testament thing. This is not just something that Jesus came up with, us on, came up with on his own. This is a, a, a truism that we see throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament through the New. First Samuel 15.22, Samuel says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much, in lo- as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Or maybe Hosea 6, 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Or later in Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Right? To know, the, to know all the commands of the Lord, but then to not live them out is meaningless. God desires justice. God desires righteousness. God desires that we obey rather than just go through the motions question is, what is the modern equivalent then to sacrifice, right? It's all this talk of sacrifice. We don't, we don't do that anymore these days. So what, what is the equivalent that, that we can relate to today, right? To obey God is better than sacrifice, but to, be, to obey God is also better than to give tithes and offerings. To obey God is better than to have perfect church attendance every Sunday. To obey God is better than to have a perfect image of a perfect Christian that you put out there for everyone else to see. Right, do you see where, what I'm getting here? To obey God, to, to truly obey him, to love him, and to desire to do his will is better than just going through the motions and doing all of those things for the wrong reasons. Of course God desires for us to give. Of course God desires for us to join his family in worship every week. God desires that we spend time with him each and every day. But if we're doing those things for the wrong reason, if we're not truly obeying him out of love and, and desire to serve him, then we're just falling into the trap of legalism. Obedience should be motivated by our love for Jesus and our relationship with him and not legalism. And that's, why, that's why John here in this passage says that our, these commands are not meant to be a burden to us. God's commands are not a burden for those who are born again and, and have, have experienced his love. They've been given to us for our spiritual good. God made us and he knows how we operate. He knows what makes us tick. And so, and so these commands he gives us are not meant to, uh, to be a burden or hinder us. They're meant to help us to live as we were created to live. And as we grow in our faith, we realize with, with spiritual maturity comes wisdom to see that obedience truly does bring freedom. Think of, for those of you who are, who are, who are adults now and have maybe children of your own or, or, or a spouse or, or have experienced life outside of your parents' home, right? After some time, you realize that maybe your parents weren't quite as crazy as you thought they were, Right? That, that, that experience and that wisdom of living life on your own and going through some of those life experiences 
make you realize that your parents actually probably knew what they were talking about more often than not. Because that wisdom, of ex- that experience and that wisdom helps you to see things in a different light. In the same way, God, God desires the best for us and God desires that we be obedient to him, not, not in as a way to punish us, but so that we may truly live as we were called to live. The third spiritual birthmark then is faith. Christian life brings, begins with faith, but faith is also an everyday part of what it means to follow Christ. Faith is key to loving God and living in obedience to him. And it's not faith in ourselves. It's not the power of our faith, but it's the object of our faith. It's the person that we have faith in, and that is Christ. It says here that he's the one who has overcome. Right, the victory has already happened. Jesus won that victory for us on the cross, but we still experience that battle each and every day. The enemy's been defeated, but he's not going down quietly. And so he says here that we have over that that the one who trusts in God has overcome, but also continues to overcome as we live our life of love and obedience and faith in Jesus Christ. We experience that victory through our relationship with Christ. We share in his victory. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, They triumphed over him, speaking of the enemy. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Two things there, the blood of the Lamb, Christ's sacrifice, his death on the cross is what earned us ultimate victory. And it's the word of their testimony, their, their testimony of faith in Christ, their, their testimony of saying it's not about me, it's about him and what he's done for me. That is the key to faith. Victory is not through faith in self or even in a church body or some other organization, but only through faith in the Son of God. That Son of God, of course, is Jesus Christ. That second half talks about the, the witnesses of the water and the blood and the Holy Spirit and even God himself. And these are all things that point to the, the life and the ministry and the death and resurrection of Christ. The water is, of course, a reference to Jesus' baptism. When he submitted himself to John the Baptist and ultimately to God the Father, right, by, by going and bapti- being baptized in the Jordan River. And when that happened, right, the heavens opened up and the voice said, this is my son whom I loved, with whom I am well pleased. And, and the Holy Spirit came and descended upon Christ. That baptism was an important moment of, of Christ's ministry because we see the, the affirmation and the confirmation of who Jesus is. Not just a good person, but the Son of God himself who has come to be with us. The blood is, of course, a reference to Jesus' death. This, this God-man, fully God and fully man, died for us on the cross. And his blood speaks to us and, 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 and points to the love that God has for us, that Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we may live in him. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. Once again, David Allen in his commentary reminds us that the Holy Spirit was present with the Son before creation. He was present with the Son at his birth, at baptism, during his ministry, at his death, at his resurrection, at the ascension. And the Holy Spirit will be with Jesus for all eternity to come. And it's that same Spirit that, is, that was with Jesus during his life and his death and his resurrection. It's that same Spirit who now lives in us, that lives in all of God's people. His Spirit confirms in our hearts that we are, in fact, God's children. And finally, the last witness that John mentions here is God himself. God, through his prophets and through the scriptures, foretold that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God who is to come and to rescue us from our sin. It was God's plan from before time to save his people, to rescue us from ourselves and from our sin. In John chapter 5, Jesus, in one of his, his confrontations with the religious leaders of the day, reminds them that, that they search diligently in the, for the scripture, through the scriptures, not realizing that the scriptures ultimately point to him, point to Christ. You see, Jesus truly is worthy of our love and our faith and our unhindered obedience because he is the Son of God who died for us. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you've given us your word, that, that in Christ uh, you call us to, to love you and love each other. And that means living in love and obedience and faith in the Son of God because he is the one who lived and died for us and now lives and is, and is seated at your right hand and your spirit now lives in us.
Lord, help us to live in unhindered obedience to you, not out of a sense of, of legalism or obligation, but because of, of your love for us flowing through and our love for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand, and as our closing song, let, let's sing number, number 293, Rise Up, O Church of God. want to take a moment and remind you if you are able to help with uh, loading some of these Operation Christmas Child boxes, uh, that, that help would be much appreciated. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace.